Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Caregivers Speak. I'm Marjorie Pat Steinmetz, your host. We're delighted you could be with us today. We have a very special guest, um, and our topic is going to be called Enhance Your Caregiving Efficiency, Tips for Planning. And um, our guest is a well-known person, uh, Mr. Mark Middleton, who is the founder and CEO of Growing Boulder. I bet many of you across the United States have heard of Mark. His show, Growing Boulder, is a multiple Emmy Award-winning show. He is an award-winning broadcaster and the co-host of Growing Boulder TV and radio shows. He's the executive producer of Surviving and Thriving, something we all want to do, and the editor of Rock Stars of Aging. He's a videographer and a writer of documentary films, and he's a blogger on Huffington Post. He's in demand as a motivational speaker as well, and he speaks all across the country about the opportunities of aging and the keys to active longevity. And, you know, I might add in there that all of us, especially, I think, as caregivers, all caregivers, I think, in our families are even more poignantly aware of issues regarding staying active, staying resilient, and hopefully living a long life, even if we are struck in some ways by illness. So welcome, Mark Middleton. Well, thank you very much for that introduction, Marjorie. It is a thrill to be here. I'm a big fan of what you do, and uh, you know, I, I think you are one of the great assets uh, in, in this whole area. So it, it's my pleasure and my privilege to be here. Well, terrific. I want you to tell the audience about your work. What prompted you to think about founding Growing Bolder? What was, what was the need that you saw in our population that said, you know, here's a, here's a gap that needs to be filled for all of us as we grow older? Uh, well, well, thank you for that question, Marjorie. And, and candidly, it was a very selfish move initially. I worked in local television for almost 30 years, and you know, I, I wanted to figure out what I could do to leverage, to, to leverage the skill set that I had so that I could continue doing what I love to do, because sooner or later, uh, it doesn't end well for people that work in local television. And, and I became discouraged that local television was becoming pretty much a, a crime report. So I wanted to try to figure out what I could do to do what I enjoyed most, and that was tell positive and uplifting stories. And, you know, it's one thing led to another. At one point, the, the, the management of the station called me in and shared with me market research. Uh, and the very first question that we ask in the market research is, how old are you? And if the answer was over the age of 55, we literally discontinued the interview. 
And I said, wait a second, you've got to explain that to me because you told me a couple of weeks ago that the average age of our viewer is 56.5. So you're telling me now that we do not care about the opinions of our average viewer. And they said, no, we care about them, but our advertisers don't. And I just couldn't get that thought out of my mind, and it really led to a year-long study of demographics. I became infatuated with the 76 million baby boomers born between 46 and 64 who, who today are turning 10,000 every single day. Uh, and, and the more I read about them, the more I realized that we would be aging differently than any 50-plus, 60-plus, 70-plus, 80-plus generation in history. Not only would we live longer, we had the potential to live better, we would have more money, we would spend it differently. Uh, and I saw what would be the creation of an entirely new life stage. And as it turns out, we now have the very real opportunity, you know, if we're lucky and if we take care of ourselves, to have a, 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 a life post-normal retirement age that was, is as long as, if not longer, than the time we spent working in our careers. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to create content for that active aging uh, new stage of life, and that's kind of really what led to the whole genesis of Growing Boulder. Oh, well, and, you know, you are such an inspiration to so many people. And across the spectrum, uh, this whole living actively, whether it's physically, mentally, whatever it is, is such a help. And and for many caregivers, actually, who in our community, uh, both Mark and I, for our viewers or for our listeners, you know, we're both from the Central Florida area, that I hear from friends and, and caregivers all over the United States saying, you know, it's such a help to know that we and our families can continue living a happy lifestyle, despite the fact that perhaps we have a chronic illness or whatever. But the whole notion of enriching your life after a certain age, no matter what you're faced with, is it's like a big aha. And so thank you, Mark, for doing that research and for bringing us to where we are today. It's just terrific. Well, well um, you know, let me just ahead, bounce it right back to you if I can, because you, of course, wrote the book, as your listeners know, uh, Enrich Your Caregiving Journey, and you've also... Uh, created and, and basically funded a project with the uh, National Center for uh, uh, National Center is it National Center for Creative Aging. Uh, yes. So, so you're the one that's out there. We're really kind of doing with general living what you have been doing for caregiving, and that is, uh, yeah, looking at age as an opportunity instead of strictly a disease. And, and, and Margie, we like to say we're not burying our heads in the sand. We know that bad things happen as we age. We know that bad things happen to good people. But uh, there are challenges at every life stage, and for some reason our culture has decided to only focus on the negative aspects of aging and not the positive aspects. And, you know, there's a, there, there is reason to get excited every morning when you get up, even if you are struggling right now as a caregiver. It, it, it's a time of opportunity. Indeed, indeed. And, you know, I both of us, and uh, I know you do this, you look at, well, now, what is it that successful people do? Um, what Those who have a struggle, those who perhaps have a chronic illness, those who um, are age 80, um, what do successful people do to remain resilient? Here's some of those uh, 
well-kept secrets, or maybe not so well-kept now that we've got you around, Mark. <laughs> what does it take to be successful as you get older? Well, you, you know, it's it's a great question, and the answer is really, really interesting. Um, uh, I wrote an e-book called uh, The Rock Stars of Aging that you mentioned, and it's really based upon conversations that Bill Schaefer and I did with uh, primarily active centenarians, but also active uh, uh, nonagenarians, 90- and 100-year-old people, and uh, trying to understand what the common denominators were that they share that enabled them to not only live to be 100, but to live active lives where they are still engaged and they still have a quality of life uh, until that age. The good news, Marjorie, is that it is as diverse a group as you could find. Uh, uh, active centenarians are, are people that were raised in the city, people that were raised in the country, people that have no money, people that have a lot of money, people that are black, people that are white, uh, which is good news for all of us but because it indicates that we all can achieve that. But, but the common denominators are somehow they have been able to inoculate themselves against uh, the brainwashing that, that our culture inflicts upon all of us from the time that we are born. They find reason to get up and be positive every day. The, shared, the most shared characteristic, the one common denominator between everybody that lives long enough uh, is, is, is loss. If you live long enough, you're going to lose your keys, and then you're going to lose your ability to drive. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your spouse. You're going to lose your hearing. You're going to lose part of your eyesight. You're going to lose the tone on your skin. It's going to be loss, 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 and the sheer sum total of that loss beats most people onto the couch, into the bed, and they give up. Uh, somehow, people that live to be 90 and 100 and like it uh, they mourn and they move on. They find excitement in life each and every day. And I think that's kind of one of the main challenges for caregivers is to find that thing, that passion uh, that will ignite the person that they're caregiving for. And the thing that we have learned is that no matter how old you are, uh, no matter how disabled you might be, no matter how advanced your dementia could be, there is still the capacity to experience joy. And if you can find that, you're giving someone the most incredible gift of all. Oh, that, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, and it's sort of this circle. If, you know, you, we're all losing things every day, but we should also focus on what we're gaining through that whole process and figure out how to keep that capacity for joy. Uh, no matter what our our place in life, you're absolutely right. Well, you know it's and, and you know one of the things that kind of growing bolder is all about trying to, to to celebrate what's possible. You know, the more we've done this, Marjorie, the more that that, that I you know we like to say we're rebranding aging. You know, at some point we're going to start rebranding dying as well, uh, because if any of us got out of here alive, if we weren't mortal beings. Uh, it would be a conversation I would never want to have, but the fact that none of us are going to get out of here alive and the one thing we all share in common is that we will all die makes me want to talk about it in a positive way. And it's the same thing with caregiving. Nobody wants to talk about it until it's too late. And, and we all know that it's, it's, it's a certainty, Marjorie, that we will either become caregivers or someone will be caregiving for us unless we're hit by a bus. Uh, you know, the best case exactly. scenario is we're going to be involved in caregiving. Exactly. And, to, um, and you know, that brings us to thinking about, this is Margie speaking now, or Marjorie speaking. I think that one of the key successful tr 
trait is the ability to look forward into the future to plan, uh, to be planful about yourself and others, and uh, as you say, rebrand this future that we have ahead of us, which includes the capacity for joy, the capacity for enriched caregiving, and yes, the the capacity to be able to die um, in a successful way. And to me, a lot of that is, is I think successful people look ahead and they think about how can I create that future for myself. Uh, you are absolutely right. You know, when when we uh, when we think that our life is in our past, then our life is in our past. And you know, there's nothing wrong with being nostalgic about your past. We all should. Memories are a wonderful and powerful thing. But we have to learn to become nostalgic for our our future. Uh, we we interviewed just yesterday Carl Reiner, who is 95 years old, and uh, as you know, is a is a comedy icon. He's the subject of a new. HBO documentary. I think the title is uh, "If I, I I Get Up in the Mornings and Read the Obit, and If I'm Not in It, I Eat Breakfast." And uh, he, he's written he's written two books. And he said in this interview that uh, I'm 95 years old, and my last five years have been the most prolific and productive of my life. And you know, so to hear a 95 year old talk about what, what has happened, uh, a guy as successful as him, to say that it's the most productive and prolific time of his life, and he cannot wait to get up each and every day uh, to continue working on his next book or doing his next thing. It's the, the desire to want to stay alive that keeps us alive. You know, one of the things we learn, Margie, from talking to so many people is that beyond a certain age, there are no unhappy people. They just, can, they just die. Uh, there really is no such thing as an unhappy, active centenarian. They find a way to find joy in the smallest things. We interviewed a guy, uh, uh, Roselio Munez, 100 years old, and Roselio gets up and delights in the dew that's on the grass in, in the morning. Uh, he, he just is fascinated by that. We interviewed a woman who was 96-year-old uh, from Canada who traveled from Canada all the way to the United States to compete in the U.S. Masters National Swimming Championships, and we asked her what she liked most about life, and she said, the only thing I like are, are, are the wonderful little miracles, the little things that you don't see unless you pay attention to them. We interviewed a woman by the name of Ruth Hamilton, who was 109 years old, and she would sit in her room, her small, dimly lit room, in her nursing home, and she would look out the window, and we sat there and watched her one day, and she looked out the window for 15 minutes, and she pointed to the sky and wondered aloud why the sky was blue, told us that those clouds were cumulonimbus clouds, and she always wondered at what point they got saturated and it began to rain. Uh, she told us whenever she did her dishes, she would flip the plate upside down, and when she saw that it was made in Belgium, she would wonder, what's it like in Belgium right now? What are those people doing there? So it's the ability to continue to celebrate the little things in life, uh, you know, that keep us going. Absolutely. What great examples of, of no matter how narrow your life has, you think your life has become, to expand that narrowness by just being curious about what you've got right in front of you. Those are just terrific examples. You know, I have a caregiver friend who I think does a lot of things right with respect to just what you're saying. So I'll say to her, how do you keep that wonderful curiosity and 
capacity for joy in your life and and with your with your care partner. And she says, you know, we get up in the morning, and if we're planning to go out and and see a garden, and she says, but if the doctor's office calls and we have to go in for something for a shot or a therapy or to check. Uh, she says, what we do is we just alter that, and we go see the garden in the afternoon instead of in the morning. Or if we don't get to see the garden at all that day, we look through a magazine in the doctor's office, and we try to find a picture of a garden. And, you know, it, that is so much related to the examples you've just given, Mark. You know, it's a great point. And, and when I worry most about the, the whole culture of caregiving is, is, is when I realize uh, you know, that, that if, if we can't find happiness uh, in our own right, if we can't amuse ourselves, if we can't connect with some sort of personal passion in our own life, how can we expect to inspire that uh, in those that, that we're care, caring for? And I think that's really one of the biggest disconnects when it comes to caregiving is, and you mentioned it earlier, beyond a certain age, people think, well, that's just part of being that old. When we have learned, I saw a story on the Internet today. It was about a 93-year-old guy who had advanced dementia, and he was in a nursing home. And a younger guy who just happened to work in the nursing home was a pianist. And as he was kind of playing on, a, on the piano, he noticed that this other guy perked up. He just This 93-year-old guy who was, had a severe case of dementia perked up. One thing led to another. Uh, uh, he gave the guy the piano. He knocked out some keys. He realized he liked jazz. He got him some jazz music. He brought in a keyboard. Uh, he put a, a, a notice on social media that there was this 95-year-old guy that loved jazz. Did anybody want to play with him? It was seen by former band members of him. Uh, and long story short, before too long, all of his band was back together in this nursing home playing jazz, and the guy who could barely talk because he had advanced dementia was, was just excited and enthused with his life because somebody just happened to pay attention and stumble upon the fact that this guy liked music. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, um, on this show for the last couple of years, we've been bringing in art examples like that. I think the arts are one of those uh, key ways to help us all think about and rebrand caregiving. As you And I love that notion of rebranding caregiving and a rebranding dying, uh, rebranding what it is that we can look forward to, uh, you know, in our later years. And I think the arts are a way to give us that kind of perspective that helps us rebrand ourselves and um, and stay resilient. And, you know, the work that you do, Margie, in, in the arts, uh, you know, I, I can't even pretend to know one-tenth of what you know, but, but, but we do see the, the impact of creative engagement on older people, you know, that, that are in all conditions. It's It's one of the things that kind of – you know, makes everybody come to life. And, you know, we've, we've got to pay attention. And, you know, one of the things that I've become fascinated with lately as I've talked to different caregiving organizations is, is the whole concept of surplus safety. And I, and I think surplus safety is a term that was originally created by Bill Thomas, Dr. Bill Thomas, in 2012. And it kind of is the idea that we're so concerned about downside risk 
that we eliminate the possibility of upside gain. And the caregiving industry in general for years, I mean, it's why we used to strap people to chairs and strap them to beds. And, you know, we are human beings thrive on novelty. When we lose all of our autonomy, when we can make no decisions for ourselves, then I think it's a valid question, is life even worth living? So I'm not suggesting uh, that, that you allow the people that you care give for uh, to do anything that's dangerous. We have to you know, prevent them from falling and, and keep them from you know, taking outrageous risk. But, but the kind of risk that we need to take are trying different things, saying yes to different things, risking embarrassment, risking failure, you know, all of that, what difference does it make when we get older? Uh, there's an opportunity to inspire people by just letting go. Uh, Dr. Gay Hanna from the National Center for Creative Aging, who I know is a friend of yours, calls this the age of liberation. If not now, when? And I think we all kind of need to develop that and, and adopt that as a mantra. Hey, absolutely. You hear so many people say, um, Friends of mine who are in their 70s and 80s will say, "Well, I'm just I'm doing what I want to do, and I'm going to take this risk because, you know, nobody can hold me back at this point." So it is a a time uh, to liberate our thinking as caregivers, and 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 even if we're not caregivers, to liberate ourselves and think forward and think about all of the anticipate all of the great possibilities that we have for living and for uh, doing new things. So I'm curious now, Mark, um, I know you're younger than I am, but what things are you doing to keep yourself, um, uh, you know, tolerant of risk and resilient? Well, you know, I, I do everything that I can, to be honest with you. You know, we, we have built a business upon you know, a, a couple of, you know, major premises, and, and the one that I'm most passionate about because I believe in uh, is, is the example of ordinary people living extraordinary lives. I think we can come up with all of these academic ways to change our self-image, to, to visualize, to do different things, uh, but, but it takes work, and not everybody's capable of doing that. The one thing that, that we have found that has immediate impact on people is to show them an example of someone like them doing something uh, that, that they might be able to do. So uh, I, I swim in that pool every day. We tell stories of ordinary people living extraordinary lives, so I'm exposed to that. That, that, that may be the number one thing that I do. Uh, I also get up and, and, and swim three or four days a week. Uh, I hang out with a bunch of very passionate, active people. You know, I'd love to say one day uh, uh, you've you got to hang out with people uh, and I don't want to sound ageist because it has nothing to do with age. It shouldn't. Uh, I, I would love to hang out with people that, that are my age, people that are your age, people that are 90, all the time. But sometimes to get the stimulation that you need, you need to hang out with an intergenerational group of people. Uh, and I do that. I, I don't ever think about age in a negative way. I, I think as soon as we allow ourselves to buy into all of the crap that our culture wants us to believe, uh, that, that that we lose value as soon as we... Uh, you know, get a new wrinkle, uh, you know, th th then we're in trouble. So uh, I'm building a business. I'm thinking every day. I'm thinking out of the box every day. I'm working out every day. I'm hanging out with passionate, active, engaged people, and I am consuming, uh, you know, one example after another of uh, of ordinary people living extraordinary lives into their 80s and their 90s. And, yeah, it gets me jazzed up. It's exciting. You know what you've made me think about here, Mark, and I've never quite thought about it in this 
aspect. Although caregivers speak as a show, we always want to provide a forum for um, ordinary and extraordinary people, caregivers in this sense, doing great things. I should start, I think I need to start a bank of uh, caregivers doing extraordinary things. I've I've never really consciously thought about doing that specific thing other than bringing wonderful people on the show. So you've inspired me to think about doing that today, Mark. You know what? It's, it is the formula, and I, and I think you're absolutely right. It, it, it's guaranteed not to fail. You can do, and you've done amazing work, but you can create detailed programs about how to do this and questions to answer, uh, and, and, it, it, and it might work. It, it may work brilliantly. It may take some time, but if you show somebody uh, 60 seconds of video uh, of someone like them that's experiencing the same issues that they are and the way that they have creatively solved it and, you know, and moved on, it's, it's, it's magic. The magic occurs when we can see ourselves in others. Um, oh. So, yeah, I think that's great. Yes. Terrific. Well, I'm going to start doing that. And um, I want to remind our listeners, uh, my website is mycaregivingcoach.com. Um, don't hesitate to send us feedback. Let us know if you you want to share your extraordinary story. And, of course, we are uh, supported by eCareDiary.com on this show, and uh, who's a partner of MyCareGivingCoach.com. And so let us know, either eCareDiary or MyCareGivingCoach, uh, some of those stories that you have that would be great to share on our, on our show. And... Um, I can begin to create a bank of these wonderfully successful people going forward. Well, Mark Middleton, you would be surprised, but we're getting very close to the end of our show here. And I'm going to ask you, I often ask guests who come on the show, what is the one thing I haven't asked or that we haven't discussed today that you would like to share with our listeners in our final minutes? Wow, I wish you would have told me that. Uh, uh, <laughs> What did? But then it wouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> uh, it, it would not be a surprise. Um, you know what? I, I just uh, I'll share one thing that I, that I learned from my sister Molly. Both of my parents uh, had Alzheimer's and passed away uh, for, from uh, you know issues related to that, uh, and it totally changed my sister's life. You know, we all feel a little guilty because we didn't know as much as we know now, and she's now devoted her life to working with. Uh, uh, patients with dementia. And the one thing she taught me that I think probably most caregivers know is, is that, you know, when people start to, to develop dementia, you know, we, we, uh, we, can't, we can't bring them back, and we all want to, and that creates a conflict. But while we can't bring them back, we can go with them. We can continue to live in the moment with them. And, and when we do that, you know, when we get over our own issues, our own problems, our own guilt, and say, you know what, She's still mom, maybe not the same mom, but she still can experience joy, and I can't bring her back, so I'm going to stop trying to bring her back. I'm going to go with her, and every day is going to be different, and every day we're going to become new friends. And, and, and my, my sister has built a career out of that, and she has impacted many, many lives, and I always try to remember that, that, in, that, that even the people with the most uh, advanced stages of d- dementia have the capacity to do what we are all trying to do anyway, and that is live in the moment. So, uh, you know, that that's kind of what I'm trying to do moving forward personally in my life uh, in order to slow down the onslaught of time uh, is just to live in the moment and enjoy each and every breath. That Those are the best words of wisdom, and 
what a wonderful way to to close our show. I want to let our listeners know that Mark will be back next month, and we're going to be talking about, you know, how can you advocate for yourself and your loved one and stay resilient? And we're going to have some uh, specific tips that have helped us personally. I guess that's the only tip you can give, isn't it, the ones that have helped you personally. So Mark will be back uh, in August. And um, I believe the date of that show is, and I'm not seeing it here, it's the second Tuesday of August, and I'm not going to give you a, a bad date here. So just look at your calendar the second Tuesday and mark that for Mark Middleton being back on our show. Um, I want to remind everyone also that we will have an archive of this show that will appear on uh, My Caregiving Coach and on EatCareDiary.com. Uh, please listen back again. Encourage your friends to listen to it. Many of our listeners actually listen to our archive rather than the live show. So pass that forward to your friends. Um, again, Mark, thank you so much for coming on our show today. Marjorie, I enjoyed it very, very much. You told me it would be a fun conversation, and you didn't lie. Uh, I could talk to you forever, and I look forward to August when we get to do it again. Absolutely, I do as well. And thank you to our wonderful listeners. Everyone, have a great day. Goodbye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.